Okay, we should be like recorded and stuff. Um, yeah, no topics are fucking. We are recording now. Uh, okay. T- topics are fucking. I don't know. I the one time I was on that podcast it was very strict. <laughs> oh yeah, you got like. Imagine trying to talk on a specific topic and you have no idea what you're going to talk about and then you have to look stuff up. It's has to be strict. Yeah, no, I'm just going to sound like a complete idiot. I guess so. And maybe like, I uh, mean, that's the problem is like the goal of this podcast, I presume, is to sound like a complete idiot, which allows much more freedom. Well, yeah, like this was off the cuff. So uh, probably should introduce it. This is Dairy Section. Um, I'm here with my guest, Ryan. Uh, and uh, we were just talking about how the whole point of the podcast is to sound like a complete idiot. But I, I don't know. I feel like. Whenever I listen to quote unquote experts these days, I'm just like, man, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. So, really, it's, it's the same. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree to disagree with all of the experts. Based. Yeah, I mean, we loosely had a topic of something along the lines of like virtue ethics, and you're gonna explain them to me because I'm stupid, and uh, not like you're an expert, so you're gonna explain them to me how you understand them. So a layman explains to it, even layerman, um, the topic, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like if you have too strict of a podcast format and stuff, like I've, I've listened to recently listening to, um, uh, Cody Co and Noel Miller, they do like TMG podcasts, which like I was like listening to, it. I was like, man, if people enjoy this, like I can hop on a mic and just fucking yell at it for two hours, and um, people are gonna like that. Or they won't, but oh, I mean, who cares? Yeah, well, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> um, the other thing I was thinking about is like uh, back in like the the golden days of like shortwave radio or whatever, like when Bill Cooper and stuff all ran like nightly, three, four, five hour long like broadcasts. And, um, like someone was listening or even, uh, George Norrie's coast to coast is just like some like legitimately senile man. Um, and he, uh, he just has people call him and it's like talking about ghosts and stuff. And some of the shit I've heard on coast to coast is just like AM radio. We need to bring it back. Like it needs to enter the mainstream again. Oh yeah. Make AM great again. Literally. I mean, isn't that the, uh, isn't that the premise of hot rod? Like that one <laughs> yeah. guy is like, yeah, this, we're doing exclusive coverage of the jump on AM radio. And then they're just like, what about FM radio? And then he's just like, <laughs> fuck FM radio. <laughs> FM just doesn't cover the distances you need in Canada. And it's as simple as that. Actually, it's true. And like uh, FM radio can, if I understand it correctly, can like, um, broadcast a wider uh or like more information or whatever you want to say um because there's like more bass and more treble and more mid and then am sort of like washed out but for talk radio am is like perfect uh you don't you don't need um that like higher fidelity or whatever oh but- let's be honest for music am's perfect you don't need a heavy bass. You don't need high treble. You just need that nice mid acoustic guitar and a boy giving you a nice talking over it. Like, you don't even really want too much singing in there. Are you trying to tell me that music exists other than John Denver? 
I've never heard a song that isn't just John Denver lightly playing a fucking acoustic guitar. Well, I actually exclusively listen to my music through my television speakers on Fallout 70 or uh, Fallout New Vegas. And I just, whatever they play in Fallout New Vegas, that's what I'm listening to. I've thought about this before, but certainly country music's evolution has been influenced a lot by the medium which is transmitted in because. Once they got onto FM, they started getting way too much bass and treble in there. Yeah. Like no, the old days, 60s, 70s, like it was all mid all day. Okay. Uh, I'm fully willing to jump into country music over virtue ethics because I have so many thoughts. Um, I <laughs> like being here uh, in Edmonton, like country music's everywhere. And um, you speak with a Terrible. lot of yeah, and you speak with a lot of people. Like, I, I don't know, like going out to bars and stuff, like you see a lot of people who are playing country um there's like a pretty decent live music scene here uh there's a couple punk bars and stuff uh that i went to and you know people playing whatever covers of like sublime and green day and stuff and occasionally like um, new music but man like there was this just dude with a steel guitar on like un um amplified steel guitar playing on the side of the road and <laughs> he was just like wailing like like just screaming and i was like wow i actually am vibing with this like steel guitar grungy old man he was in the 7-eleven like doorway and they were like trying to remove him and he was just <laughs> singing music while they were trying to remove him and i was like i was like hey that's sort of my boy like i was like you know i i'm sort of fucking with this that's what we call outlaw country literally like modern outlaw country he had a cigarette in his mouth while singing uh, it doesn't get more authentic than that. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I fucking hate Florida Georgia line so much that every time I hear like, like they were like, yeah, people are like, Oh, I hate country or I love country. Like biggest red flag is someone who's like 21 years old saying they love country music. I'm like, you need to add a caveat to that. You need to explain what type of country music. Yeah. It's hardly country anymore. Yeah, and it's I... It's like the, the boomer complaint, except that anyone over the age of 25 has it. Yeah, I mean, like, and, like, uh, good. I think Spotify and, like, Apple Music and YouTube and stuff, like, really brought about, like, it. you no longer have to just listen to what the radio's playing, and the radio hasn't played, like, Willie Whalen and Chris Christopherson and fucking... Um, uh, Hank Williams Jr. and stuff like it. Johnny Cash. Yeah, I'm, I was... That's, that's the Highwaymen. <laughs> That, yeah, that, yeah, I was like all the way through the Highwaymen, then I was just like, yeah, actually, fuck Johnny Cash. <laughs> Blanking on the guy who's probably the most popular, at least in Canada. I've never even heard of Johnny Cash before. Actually, I, I watched... Um, I've heard of a man in black, but never this Johnny Cash character. Yeah, I watched uh, um, uh, Walk the Line, is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. On a plane. And uh, I don't know, like last year, two years ago maybe. And uh, I was with, um, no, actually, I, I remember when it was. I was coming back from Mexico in 2019. So, uh, or, uh, yeah, 2019. So I'm coming back from Mexico in, like, March 2019. I'm watching Walk the Line on the plane. And then uh, I, like, finish it. And I was, like, talking to my, uh, at the time, my girlfriend's parents. I was like, you seen this movie? It's incredible. They're like, it's, like, 10 years old, dude. Yeah, like, everyone knows it's good. I was like, no, dude, you have to watch it. And they're like, we've seen it, like, multiple times. Like, <laughs> Like, the story is incredible. I was like, uh, it's like, he's, like, really good at music. 
I haven't seen it, but I'm just assuming that it was good because I'm pretty sure it inspired Walk Hard, and you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, and um, yeah, the story of Dewey Cox or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Dewey Cox story. I, was, I saw that long before I saw Walk the Line, and then I just never watched Walk the Line. Like, um, Yeah, like uh, once you've watched the satire, you're good on the original. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, in It's Joaquin Phoenix, though. And uh, uh, he just like he pretty much nails it. Um, I, after I watched Walk uh, Walk the Line, I watched uh, um, Signs, which is also Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, if you only watch Signs for Joaquin Phoenix's like roles, you'd be like, man, does that guy have a learning disability? Because his character in fucking Signs is like a baseball wielding retard. <laughs> And he has a few characters where you'd probably think he has a learning disability, I feel like. Um, I, yeah. Well, maybe not learning disability, but, like, he's very off in uh, her and is it the lobster man. <laughs> like, oh, the man. lobster. Like, he's uh, so strange. It, like, he's so good at playing a strange character. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess he did the Joker or whatever, the, like, Most Society video. I'm going to turn Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched the Joker, um, and... Uh, when did it, it came out in 2019 as well or was it like mid-pandemic no i think it was 2019 it was definitely pre-pandemic yeah i watched it like in the midst of the pandemic like like during a lockdown or whatever and i had to turn it off i was just like man i am not emotionally strong enough to handle the joker <laughs> that was that was my experience with the joker that i never came back i was like this is just kind of too close to home oh man uh yeah literally like i i uh he's just like mentally ill mentally ill man living alone in an apartment i was like or like i guess his mom's there but he's like fantasizing about killing her not that i want to kill my mom but if i lived in an apartment with just my mom i'd probably fucking die oh another experience i've had like that with media is crime and punishment by dostoevsky we couldn't make it through like the first quarter of the book i was literally becoming sympathetically mentally ill it's just too well written <laughs> Um, I'm looking at the um, uh, I'm looking at the audio levels if I totally fucked up this whole recording all the way up to this point forgive me because you may have been too high in my ears but this is a learning curve second podcast first time I've had a guest first time I've even used OBS so we'll see how it goes but um, uh, I haven't read any Dost I can't even say the name uh, Dostoevsky like I just every time people tell me to read books it makes me so mad I'm like I know I know I'm supposed to read books. I know I'm supposed. I'm just not a good reader. I don't like sitting down. I don't like. I was at the library um, with uh, with uh, my aunt uh, yesterday, and um, uh, she, she's like asked the librarian to um, like get her a book and stuff. Anyway, I started talking with the librarian, and uh, the librarian's like, "Yeah, I just don't read." And I was, I was like, <laughs> "Fucking such a Chad move." like yeah i just don't really like it like i I, like like, don't get me wrong i listen to audiobooks and podcasts but i just like haven't picked up a book in 30 years and i was like okay it's appropriate then like you you've made your bread and butter on books and you don't physically read books like you like audiobook but then she's like i retain audiobooks better i was like that seems like bullshit like i know that audiobooks don't retain as well for me well i don't know about there being much of a difference honestly all the studies on audio versus visual learning which would be that basis of that sort of claim are pretty much a wash and it's like 
the best way for retention, I think, if I recall correctly, is to listen to the audiobook while you read the book. You're getting both stimulants at the same time. But that just sounds awful. Yeah, you got me. You, you straight up smoke and crack if you think I'm going to fucking <laughs> double up on my book. I can, well, actually, but, I, I, I both read The Great Gatsby and listened to it, and then I watched the movie, but like, it's like, what, 100 pages long? Like, I can fucking grip my teeth and get through that. Oh, The Great Gatsby is the perfect novel. Like, that is a one-day novel. Uh, you can probably pound it out in about seven hours at a normal reading speed. It's perfect. Like, it doesn't... Uh, two days if you want to be casual about it, but I read it, it doesn't on, linger. Yeah, I read it on a, a road trip. And I think the whole point of The Great Gatsby is to reread it a couple different times, like, every several months or years. And, like, you're always, like, gonna... Like, everyone wants to be Gatsby, but, like... <laughs> You're not Gatsby. Everyone, everyone is Gatsby. That's the deep understanding. No, man. That's why it's such a good book. Like, literally nobody's Gatsby. <laughs> like, Everybody's Gatsby. Uh, I'm, uh, I always thought that, um, like, I, I know that there's, like, some degree of, like, uh, when I was, when I first read, I was, like, in my teenage years, and I was, uh, I know, I didn't, it was her name, Daisy, like, that's the yeah. Gatsby's obsession. Uh, I was like, nah, I don't really care about Daisy. She sounds sort of lame. But, like, that mean bitch who the narrator's into, like, mm-hmm, yep, like, yep, stomp on me, please. I want to say Jordan, but it could be wrong. I think it is Jordan, you're right. Yeah, and in the movie, I don't, can't remember who acts her, but she's, like, very pretty. So it's like, I, like, I watched the movie in the pandemic, too. I mean, I watched every movie I've ever seen from 2020 to 2021 because I just don't watch movies. Like, I finally watched Interstellar, and it, like, blew my socks oh, man. off. Interstellar was so good. The Great Gatsby, one of the funniest things is that it's been adapted a ton because it's one of the greatest books of all time. And it and, no longer holds a copyright, does it? Like, I think it's... Uh, I think that's 75 years, so it should be out. I'm not 100% sure. But the more important thing is that until Leonardo DiCaprio, nobody nailed Gatsby. Like, I don't, I don't know who those old actors even were probably insulting somebody right now but they just couldn't do the gatsby the way leonardo dicaprio could dude if you're telling me that there exists another great gatsby adaptation to film i'm not aware of it and i'm not interested simple as yeah i think that's uh all there is to say you probably shouldn't be aware of it uh well i mean not that i'm like any sort of person who knows anything about film like <laughs> Man, but as we're saying, like, fuck the experts. Like, you got to be into film because you're into film and just have your own opinions on it, even if they're misguided and uneducated. I, I, I get deep into, like, oh, I really like the directing in that. And then somebody's like, define directing. I'm like, oh, I haven't went to school. I don't know what directing means. <laughs> That's the most base take, actually. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I remember I rewatched Batman Begins. Um, uh, also, during my pandemic binge walking, when when the government said I had to stay inside. So um, I watched uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises. And I, like the last time I had seen Batman Begins was in theaters, which is like not age appropriate for me. Like I didn't really absorb it at all. Um, Cause I don't know, it was like 2008 or whatever it came out. So I would have been 10. Um, and then uh, I watched it. I was like, wow, this is like of the three, the like most beautifully shot. And then people were like, yeah, explain. I was like, I just like the one scene where there's the bridge and <laughs> and he like driving on the bridge and there's like a lot of like, well, like it's like um, has a lot of like uh, brass and like um, copper and stuff tones in, in the first film. 
like it's a it's a bit lighter yeah. of a film right like and i think that's probably I oh mean, they went way too dark on the second and third and i mean the third it was like the whole theme was about darkness and light and all this stuff and it, uh, i don't know the third one was just not enjoyable to me oh man that's the hottest take i've ever fucking heard <laughs> holy okay i i love i love the the uh what a christopher nolan batman trilogy but like uh also i'm like <laughs> man i i truly view it as like the first one was great the second one was great and the third one i just forget about it's got tom hardy though it's like oh man there's the hot take you wanted i hate tom hardy there's been movies i don't mind him in but everyone just talks about him like he's like the next coming of i don't know christian bale or somebody along those lines just a top tier Oh, top no. flight actor and i don't see it like, tom hardy seems like a solid actor to me uh my favorite tom hardy role is mad max fury road um which i, I do watched. need to watch that but I, I watched I it like it. three months ago man like nothing more infuriating. i have a couple friends who are big into movies and um nothing more infuriating than them telling me about their favorite movie for like i'll let them go for like 20 minutes them explaining the plot and i'll act like i've seen it at the end, they'll be like, oh, what do you think? I was like, oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> like, I've never seen Mad Max. I've never seen the original either. And, um, but Fury Road, like, uh, I won't say anything because I went in, like, with no expectation. I know there was cars and gasoline. And, like, I knew that there was that one line where the dude said, witness me. And I was like, okay, I'm waiting for that. Um, and, uh, but the only thing I will say is that Tom Hardy barely talks like he has like six lines of dialogue and that's Tom Hardy at his best. He's not a talker. He's in uh, movies with lo little talking, especially by the protagonist. It just automatically jumps it up a tier. Yeah. Like people need to learn to stop writing so many words. It's a movie, not a book. Like Dude, not everyone talks like me, like literally like I, I won't shut the fuck up and I wouldn't watch a movie that I'm in like, <laughs> like simply like, like I'm saying like 10% of the words out of my mouth are value. Just cut out the 90%. That's your job as a writer is figure out what's like driving plot and what's fluff. Yeah, I agree. That's actually uh, exactly what's at the heart of Great Gatsby and the general modernist novel movement was to cut out all the fluff, which is why they made novels that you can read in a day and reread without feeling awful. Like I was listening to a person talk about the great books of Western literature. And some of those things are like, 1500 pages long Isn't dense the, like grapes and, of wrath like 900 pages long yeah like grapes of wrath is actually a great example because it's it's modernist it's in the time period but he didn't go as hard as like hemingway or fitzgerald and yeah rereading the grapes of wrath would be an ordeal like it would be a couple days and it's like man Ooh. you could have cut out probably 10 percent of the words here without missing anything you say least. a couple days but literally if it's above 200 pages i'm not gonna read it it's <laughs> an it undefined period of time like, because like it's an, past the threshold like it's impossibly long like uh yeah uh but well you actually were telling me in um that uh f scott fitzgerald and hemingway like mad beefed and that uh, Hemingway wrote a book in response to The Great Gatsby that he really wanted to name Greater Gatsby. I can't remember what book that is. <laughs> yeah, that was The Sun Also Rises, which is another great book. Okay, I gotta the, read that. The Sun Also Rises is not as accessible 
to as the great gatsby and it's definitely not as universal yeah like the, to get into the universal themes of the sun also rises you need to do some digging and some thinking whereas like the great gatsby is a universal theme in and of itself like it's like the guy just chasing a dream that's in the past i i mean coming from a male perspective because it's like if you haven't met the, a guy and if you haven't heard about the one that got away you haven't really known the guy like you haven't been drunk with the boy yet so it's like true. that is the universal theme i mean males, this is, at least. okay we're gonna start hitting close to home here and then we're gonna have to shut the podcast down because like <laughs> it's like 9 a, it's 10 30 a.m i'll just go get like a fucking couple fingers of whiskey i'll just start musing about like she's the most beautiful girl i ever fucking saw is she scott but it's true like i like like he spends like seven years obsessing about daisy or whatever and uh i'm like i have done nothing for seven years <laughs> like like at all <laughs> like i've never even focused for seven years and uh uh but and then there's this like fucking dude goes away to war and like becomes like a boat captain and like pretty much like like it's funny because he just like becomes a millionaire out of necessity he's like yeah i gotta get that fucking girl dude so like gonna become the most successful person ever like yeah it's like a it's an afterthought like yeah no it's well um, yeah it's like he's a millionaire and it doesn't mean anything because it's just as a means to an end it's just like um yeah i guess and like uh the other thing i really like about um the great gatsby is how um he only like uh f scott fitzgerald only like contextualizes yeah what he needs to in terms of like the environment like um and i think that the movie did a really good job of like you're going from location to location and they exist like in like this very nebulous manner where like there's those eyes in the middle of like the dirt track that separate like their nice whatever west egg or east egg or whatever they are at and then there's that fucking yeah. dirt area and then the city and it's just like that's how i thought about things when i was a child like there's just like <laughs> circles with lines in between them and like I am at home or I'm at school and like I'm not really focused about in between. And, you know, now that I'm older and I actually really love geography, I'm like obsessed with like, oh, my God, like there's 200 kilometers between these two cities. Like what's in between? But like when I'm reading a book, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm, I'm just trying to be like, oh, they're at the apartment. This is like I remember the apartment. You described it to me once and now I don't have to. Uh, that was my big gripe with uh, Lord of the Rings. Like. Oh man, the Lord of the Rings novels are a slog. I read uh, The Hobbit and I love it, but the like The Hobbit's like that's pushing my limits of absorption. Like, and then I like get into the first Lord of the Rings book and I was just like, nah, dude, like fucking, you need to just tell me their hair color. You need to tell me like one fun fact about the character. Otherwise, I'm not gonna be able to remember. Like, I'm not gonna oh. do their names. Like the Lord of the Rings. I don't know if it'd be the latest example, but it's a very late example of like a Victorian style literature where this is from like the style of literature from back in the day when there wasn't really other forms of good entertainment for like sitting down and doing. You could like go watch a play, I guess, or an opera, or you'd sit down and read. So it had to be meaty. Like you had to be spending like five, six hours a day. Like imagine all the time you spend on screens in the modern 21st century. Like yeah. all that six hours of screen time a day back then you would have had similar amounts of leisure in the upper class and they just would have burnt it all in reading books so you needed six hours of reading material a day so it made way more sense to have all this descriptive stuff but yeah in terms of 
<laughs> reading it in the modern world just difficult yeah i don't know maybe we like permanently fucked up like the average attention span with like quicker to access materials like man you know it's bad when like tiktoks or like back in the day when it was vine like when they're like long quote unquote long like six seven seconds long and you're just like get to the point buddy <laughs> like i'm trying to fucking enjoy this yeah. TikTok, it's horrible, but Vine was such a vibe. Like the fact that nobody wasn't it five seconds at first, and then they upped it to seven. It was like, I don't know. You kind of it's a little impure now that you added the two seconds. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, like I briefly uh, had TikTok, and uh, before I was on TikTok, like I don't know. TikTok has a bit of a history, right? Like there's like it was Musically first or whatever, and then yeah. it was TikTok, and then it capped. I think at ten well, seconds. Well, so. So Musical.ly was a North American brand, uh, or no, TikTok was the North American brand, Musical.ly was the Chinese brand, one or the other ways, and the Chinese one was vastly more successful, bought out the one that was in North America, changed the name, and then now we have the TikTok we all know and love. Okay, Send I'm pretty sure through Beijing. TikTok was like in China, and Musical.ly was the North American one, because... I remember Musical.ly from like... 2014 maybe 2015 so. like very early very small and then the chinese blew up with the same idea and then bought out the one in north america and made it more um, more popular and like the musically one was like centered around people making like lip dubs of like music with like fast cut i just remember there's one kid i went to high school with and um i don't know i don't even remember his name but he had like this instagram account of all of his musicallys and um, yeah I stumbled upon it and I will admit I like ripped through them all because I was like what the fuck is this like what is this like I've never even uh encountered uh I don't know I'm like a modern day I'm like a fucking zoomer boomer at the same time like people bring up like fucking I, I just didn't know about musically or tiktok until like five years after everyone else was talking about it but I see like these fucking. Well, there's that one guy. Is it was it John Tron who did a video on it where he basically talked about all the. Oh like, no no! Sexual pay, innuendo. Pay money, wubby. Oh yeah. Anyway, that that was basically why it blew up in the early days. So if you didn't know about it in the early days, that's actually a mark for you on the moral scale because you Let's weren't go. out there looking for underage girls dancing. Let's go. Also, wasn't there like. Um... At the same time, like, there was a brief time when the YouTube algorithm, like, degraded to the point where there's just, like, definitely, like, a pedo ring operating on fucking YouTube. And people are just, I like, wouldn't be surprised. I think that was the impetus behind YouTube for kids. Because they wanted to, like, segregate all the content the kids were making from the general audience of YouTube. Fuck, man. Honestly, just such a hellscape. Like, the less I use my phone, the less I'm, like, integrated with, uh, like, the internet. I'm just like, wow, this is... Uh, I, I, I talk about this constantly, but like phone calls, good technology. Enjoy phone calls. Um, we're using like Discord to call right now. And that's like, I enjoy being able to talk to my, you know, uh, friends on the internet. But some point we like crossed a bridge where I'm like, no, nah, this is bad. Like we shouldn't be able, like I remember being on TikTok and people would just throw the most heinous confessions and like, horrible things up and it's because there had been like a one person makes a video of like saying like i don't know like as in i kill puppies sure or like i pick my nose and eat it don't you and then like they get like a bajillion views because it's relatable 
and to the to the audience member that person isn't a real person you know like I'm here in in Edmonton and that person made their TikTok in Atlanta Georgia I'm never gonna meet them I'm gonna forget their name uh but it was like yeah me too like I'd be fucking stuffing boogers in my mouth too so I like it and uh and then um fucking that person didn't maybe think about the fact that like people know them in real life <laughs> like like you know what I mean and so yes you have all this validation from the globe but what you should be more concerned with is your immediate community um and how that reflects upon you but then someone in you know this person made it in Georgia and then someone in fucking uh I don't know Montana sees that and they're like wow I can use the same um like I can just do I can just parrot that I can just clone their model and create you know my own video and I'll get popular and so they do and a bunch of people do that and now all of a sudden there's 10,000 videos about people admitting to killing puppies or eating boogers or fucking there's so many different things like I just was like on TikTok there's a lot of shit you see that you're just like holy fuck you really just put that out to the to the universe and well, that's where there's so many people uh psychologists like real psychologists not uh whatever you want to call so, a lot of the modern school but proper behavioral psychologists that think tiktok is a tragedy because it is reinforcing like mentally ill behaviors because no matter <laughs> what you do you can find your like yeah community. like you find your people or whatever that will support you and yeah, then you just get reinforcement for all the bad behaviors you're doing oh. and then if you reinforce for it it's just never going to end well oh yeah i don't know i like like uh, what's uh, what do you up the ante after you pick your nose and eat it like you're gonna up the ante because you've got all that reinforcement well like what's the next step <laughs> you gotta like pursue like yeah you gotta like you gotta get that same high i uh, i don't know um i think uh a lot of my friends like i i was late to tiktok and then like i like used it for i don't know a span of i would say maybe three months or something and don't get me wrong like some people make some totally creative shit regardless of the media uh, or the medium like they'll just like create something that's like absolutely i've never seen it i've never seen something like that i don't even know what your points of reference were to create that like i'm pretty much being plunged into the deep end and i love it like this is a novel experience this deviation from the norm is is like this is what i'm here for but you have to wade through like literally thousands of seven second videos to get to this one good one. And it's like, at some point you got to do the cost benefit analysis on TikTok and be like, it's not fucking worth it. Like, like I'll just, I read, I read a big article on the algorithm behind TikTok and how great it was at finding stuff people are interested in. So I did like a, about an eight or nine hour deep dive on TikTok, just scrolling through things. I did not find a single video that I truly enjoyed and I gave up on TikTok. I was like, if it actually would feed me something I'm interested in, like if the algorithm is that good, I'd be here for it. But it just wasn't. Like, um, I, maybe other people have very interest in me. It seems unlikely. I think everyone's the same as me in the real world, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, everyone everyone is just interested in what you're interested in for sure. Yeah, like it's just very odd that TikTok hasn't found those people and got them making videos, but shockingly I'm much more in, addicted to youtube and like the 12 minute video sort of format the meta yeah no i don't know i'm like i don't have a great attention span but like there's a couple creators on youtube that i would watch like a two hour long video because like i'm just like fascinated with how they present things but on tiktok like i don't know 
I like a lot of the stuff was just yeah like mindless like dribble that you like it rammed down your throat but like I was saying like there's this guy who created I can't remember his name it's like ham or something or whatever but uh he created these videos of him just like drinking shamrock shakes and then just fucking whipping them across parking lots i think you showed me those videos like and I was just after like, the first couple you're like is this is this it and you're like yes, yeah exactly that so like it really was that i'm pretty sure he like he started like a fucking merch brand and it's just like man honestly that's grasping that's stretching like i'm not sure you can start a merch brand on you throwing a fucking mcdonald's shake at a fucking parking barrier but uh you know honestly fuck it like chase your dreams like, buddy it's like hyper irony probably if you had to describe it <laughs> but but like yeah i saw that i saw that first video and i saw a couple of them and i'm just like wow that's like funny as fuck i'd never think to do that but then it almost yeah becomes like a um i don't know like a like a caricature of itself like it's just like you cannot actually be- like i can't believe that you're running an entire platform off of just this one concept and then you realize that there's enough people out there that if we all just had one concept and just constantly pushed it like on something like tiktok i guess it would like you know you like you don't actually need to um you don't need to more than one thing broaden yeah you can just be the you can be the fucking shamrock shake guy from march till april or whatever it's available for and then just go into fucking like hibernation for 11 months but then but then you see someone like oh man i remember when i was like i don't know i'm gonna pull fucking figures out of my ass but like 13 or whatever whenever donald glover decided to rap and i was just like you are telling me that an actor can also do music and like boy when i found out about will smith was my mind blowing that he used to make music you know and then I realize that it's actually, in fact, the norm that people pursue many different things over their life and that they, like, start something new and get good at it or even get great at it or, in some cases, they get to be the best at it and then they, like, leave it behind and they start something else. But that, that doesn't really exist anymore. Like, uh, you and I were talking in the past, but, like, all of the founding fathers were, like, lawyers and fucking, like, playwrights and, like... I don't know, like philosophers and stuff. And it's like truly Renaissance man who like did a bunch of different stuff. And now it's like, you better specialize right off the bat at 18, finish your degree. Yeah, there's such a conjunction of possible themes here, but I think we've got to bring in the old schizoautist scale because <sighs> that's the perfect thing to describe what we're talking about. Man, I thought about bringing this in, uh, or I thought about like explicitly at the start of the episode, like being like, oh, man. hey, we should talk about J-Reg's fucking schizoautist scale, but like, We've been recording for 34 minutes. This is a 34-minute intro, let's be honest here, because this is like... This is the idea of our times. Like, the back in the day, they had quantum physics and they had relativity. It's like, this is our way okay. of foundationally changing how I'll we understand the world. the video. The only person... You showed me this video, and the only person I showed it to was a friend uh, who I'll just call L, and I showed L this video... And they were just so shook. They were just like, this is like, this is put to words, like something I've implicitly understood about myself for years. And I was like, yeah, honestly, this video fucking changed my life. <laughs> so I'll, I'll link it in the description, but we can just get into it right now. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening, you should pause it. Watch the JREG video in full. It's not that long. It's like 10 minutes. You can fucking handle it. 
and then two times speed of course yeah <laughs> man we yeah, i don't watch youtube on one times that's another thing i can't hate about tiktok is that it's all on one times and people talk so slow bro like, yeah i don't know i don't i like i think i'm a normie in that way like i like one time speed but that's just because like although actually when i listen to any sort of like when I actually had to do work, like, at school, when it was Zoom University, like, fucking my profs were on two times speed. Because they all speak so fucking slow. Um, but, yeah, the schizo autism. I'm going to let you take it away because you you introduced it to me. And, truth be told, I'm I'm sort of dumb and I forget the exact wording he used. But um, Although it definitely builds on previous models. Uh, I mean, even building on might be a little bit of a stretch. It might just be a reconceptualization of a previous models that worked in the world, but it works for the meme generation to a T. And yeah. basically your schizos are the guys who go out and explore things. And like, they don't even want to be there conceptually, ideally, if it's already been done. Like this is like your ultimate hipster it would be, well, I guess, you know, a schizo would be further along than a hipster, but a hipster would be like a normie that's on the schizo side of things oh, okay, because they yeah. don't want to do what's been done before. And then like a schizo is like having completely novel thoughts and conceptualizations and I to think, the point of mental illness. Yeah. I think J-Reg even goes so far to be like, uh, they like true schizos, a hundred percent schizos, like on the, in, they draw connections when no connection should exist. Like they're just constantly drawing connections between two separate concepts and once in a while they're able to connect two, you know previously unconnected concepts they're able to draw a parallel between them that nobody had drawn before uh and discover something totally new like a new field of study or something and uh and then they you know but 99 percent of the time they're just literally fucking yelling about things that are not connected and <laughs> they... well it's because like they're always searching for this novelty and that's the connection between two things that haven't been connected so then yeah at some point they've got to stretch real hard to make those connections to get that novel hit and it's like oh that just hits me it resonates with me on such a deep level but then you do and then get you have that the... hit yeah then you have the autists and the autists are the ones who go out and they find these valid fields of study that almost invariably were explored by a schizo first because schizos have to lay the groundwork it's like their nature but then autists find like the good the wheat from the chaff and then they build it up and they develop it into like a proper discipline of thought or anything along those lines yeah I think and it, I think... that's a, most of your normies then like the professional fields would be like that where it's like oh i'm gonna go to school for eight years and i'm gonna do this as a career for 40 years like that's a normie autist and then like your pure autists are like I only play Minecraft 14 hours a day. Oh, no, even better. I only play Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 14 hours a day, and I stream it on Twitch to make a living. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, just whatever way that they're able to translate their obsession into, like, surviving, and, like, Twitch has given them a great platform for that. Um, I think uh, we should... we should. He talks about the, the, um, the desert in his video, so you were supposed to do your homework and watch the video, so you're supposed to know what we're talking about, but... Uh, you have these like people who run out into the desert, the schizos who want to get as far away from all of these established towers or buildings or whatever, and they start foundations, but they quickly abandon them. Um, and that's what really resonated with me. Like I literally have no ability to dig deep on something. I, I'm not interested in learning the nuance of like, like for example, I'm right now I'm learning how to skateboard, and this is this is just like a. a microcosm of this video or whatever but like 
I am watching these skateboarding videos and I see how good people get at skateboarding and I'm like, and they invent new tricks and, and they, you know, they're building the tower of skateboarding or whatever. And I'm like already losing interest, like at like two weeks in, but I want to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I could do it. Like I could get better. So I just need to prove to myself that I could get better and then I'm going to, I'm going to leave it. But that in, in a, in a novel sense of like, how do I connect like, um, concept, like I went to school for political science for a long time. And I, I remember just like watching this J reg video and being like, wow, like there is like so many times when I tried to connect like the structures of like running a country or whatever to like just anything I was doing in my daily life. Like, uh, I, I worked as a bartender at the same time. So like I began like fusing <laughs> like political science and bar politics in my head. And I was like, there's nothing useful here. Like after months of trying to do it, I was like, there's nothing good here. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going Man, on. That's just cause you're not schizo enough. Like Maybe. you need to be just a little further, you know, then yeah. you can see the connections. <laughs> just being able to explain everything. It like my entire worldview with just like seven bar regulars, <laughs> like as the standards. This is Marxist bar stool theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um yeah that video um uh it really uh it also made me feel less alone because uh in the sense of like i don't know i both my parents are longtime professionals like they they uh, uh my father's an engineer my mother was a, a teacher and so they graduated university both of them they'd worked a couple jobs in their teens and stuff but like they've had like maybe five jobs total and my father worked as an engineer nonstop for 40 years and my mother worked as a teacher nonstop for 40 years and then I like I don't know I got to 18 and they're like okay time to like ship off to university you better decide what you're into and like start building your tower for the next 40 years and the the thought of like doing the same thing for 40 years like actually broke my mind um, and I had like a pretty significant, like, like depressive and like anxious time in my early twenties that I'm still trying to navigate. Like I, I'm like, Oh, you expect me to be a, whatever it might be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever forever. And then I realized that I just don't buy it. Like, I think I could go to school and become a lawyer and do it for a couple of years and then just straight up fucking stop and do something else. And when you learn about like historical figures, that was the norm back in the day. Like, um, uh, the, I think the, we've certainly gone too far as a society on like promoting the autism side of things because like really, uh, it's very reasonable to say that people who are predisposed towards one side or the other should be nudged towards the middle. But it's like, if you're predisposed towards the autism side, you're just nudged further into it. Like yeah. I was having this discussion with you earlier about PhDs. And I had a quite oh, intelligent English professor that taught me rhetoric. And rhetoric is maligned in modern sc schools. Just completely, the, it's the class that all the rookie professors get saddled with because nobody wants to teach it. Because rhetoric is basically the study of how you say things in English language. Mm -hmm. It's not anything fancy. It's just like, are you communicating your ideas effectively? And somehow this is just maligned, even though it's the most useful <laughs> class you can take. You, you like the Greeks and Romans, this was the foundation of Greek and Roman education was rhetoric. 
so after all that preamble, she did a good job of teaching it. I think it's probably the English class I learned the most. But she had a PhD in Canadian science fiction. It's like, no. <laughs> like, sure, you could read Canadian science fiction, but that should not be a PhD course. That is insanity. Uh, yeah, I, I, have a, I have an example for this, too. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fully call out my professor because he's a fucking... Uh, I don't, I don't agree with him ideologically at all. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, uh, this professor named Dr. Greaves and he was a, uh, he had his PhD in, um, the politics of Arctic sovereignty of Canada. And, uh, so our class was, uh, it was about all sorts of things. I don't even remember what the class was specific. I think it was a, oh, it was a international relations class. But this fucking dude just couldn't leave the Arctic alone because he was obsessed with it. You know, he had spent his entire career talking about uh, what if, like, the boundaries change or what what is, like, um, the, like the UN did this big uh, Arctic shelf mapping project that you had to have, like, submissions done by 2015 or something. I don't remember all the details. But um, my professor, like, essentially was trying to tell us that his specialization was in Arctic sovereignty. And at some point I just put my hand up and I was like, isn't it just like all speculative? Like for the last 20 years that you've spent as a professor of Arctic sovereignty, like what's changed? Like, tell me what you've done as like an actual, like where's the work buddy? <laughs> like, like um, when you're a biologist or, you know, like a, you're a, let's say you're a marine biologist specializing in um, Arctic environments and you fly up and you're the guy who finds this dead arctic fox and you fucking take his stomach out and he's got a bunch of microplastic in it you know you've just discovered something new like you and this is i'm pretty sure this is true there's like microplastics in the snow in the arctic and we wouldn't know there's microplastics that. everywhere on earth yeah right but we wouldn't have confirmation that there's microplastics in the snow unless we go do the the fucking science and check um and uh uh, but I, I like put my hand up and I'm like, since like, you know, since the Arctic Council was like founded and stuff, like what's changed for you? And he's like, oh, like he was like all excited that I was trying to engage in his work. And he's like, you got to read this book. And uh, it's this like fucking, uh, I'll see if I can find it and link it. But it's like the largest, like it's like the, the uh, definitive book on Canadian Arctic sovereignty and the challenges that it possibly will face and the history of it and like, all of this stuff and it's I don't know like 600 pages long and uh so like I'm like okay I, like I'll I'll read the book and so I chose to for my research project or research paper at the end I chose to dive right into what he was doing like arctic sovereignty so I spent like three weeks researching I read the fucking book that he like said I had to read and uh I I came to the conclusion that it's like, it's all speculation. Like literally nothing's changed. Like it's a nothing burger. Like when something actually happens, I'll be interested, but fuck all has happened in the Arctic ever period. Like the biggest thing that happened was like the, the state sailed some boats through there in like the seventies and eighties. And everyone was like, Oh, the, the Canadian government should be like, Oh, we, we own it. And it's just like, how have you spent your entire career getting paid taxpayer money, like doing nothing? And 
the biggest joke was that he wasn't even an author on the fucking book about Arctic sovereignty. There was like nine authors and he wasn't one of them. So I was like, there's at least 10 people in Canada who are just sucking up fucking six figure salaries, jerking their dick, talking about fucking what if Russia, (laughs) what if Russia decides that they own more ice than we do? And I'm like, I cannot believe that I'm paying this guy to teach me like nothing, like literally nothing. And uh, yeah, it really um, disillusioned me. The thing is, they'd probably give you some big, complicated, legalistic, theoretical answer. And the real answer is if Russia decided they own more ice than we did, we'd call up Papa United States and we'd say, please, daddy, can you beat the Russians for us? They're stealing our ice. Literally that. <laughs> well, like, so, um, you know, like Russia put that flag in the, like as a big flex, they put a Russian flag on the North Pole or whatever the geographical North Pole, not the magnetic one. Uh, and um, and Canada was like, but but it's ours. And it's like, okay. okay. <laughs> like, like the Russians have nuclear-powered icebreakers, and we're still... I think we have one functional icebreaker that we bought used off of Denmark or something. Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> it's like they've got a nuclear reactor driving an icebreaker. I think they've got another one in the works. It's like, yeah, the, you're not going to fuck with that. If they decide they own more ice, like we're actually going to have to call the United States in. There's no other option. And it's like, um, so this professor, Dr. Greaves, it's like, like, what are your articles actually doing? Like I could read them as food for thought. I could read them and being like, oh man, that might be crazy. Might be, you know, like how about you go up there and fucking like do something real like check if arctic foxes are dying from fucking i get it you're not into biology i'm not into biology either i find it fascinating to learn about uh and i'm really happy that there exists those autists who are super focused on whether the arctic foxes fucking uh behaviors have changed due to you know ice flow uh, due to global warming blah 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 that is cool and that is important because you know, maybe the Arctic foxes go extinct and we have the reasons behind why and we can sort of discover like, oh, the next time uh, the next time a species is being threatened, we learn these lessons from it. Um, but uh, just the entire world of political science, I just I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it anymore. It's I'll just imagine for... like even in the sense of Canadian sovereignty that like Canadian sovereignty would be a stretch. Like we don't really have many sovereign issues, but then to specifically focus on the northern aspect of Canadian sovereignty is like, why? Why did that need to be its own discipline? Like yeah, that could probably be a couple months in your grand Canadian sovereignty course. Well put. That's what I was trying to get to. I, I guess I'm so fucking frustrated that I couldn't just be like, you know, okay, so you're you're a Canadian sovereignty specialist, and that we do have like a couple border disputes with the states. Um, and Denmark that we recently resolved and now have a new land border. Okay, cool. See? And I bet you, like, you know, a couple weeks of reading, you could get polished up to an expert level on that. Like, you do not need to devote your entire career to one land border issue. Like, well, I'm like, you'd have to qualify it. Like, a couple of weeks of reading if you had, say, an established background in law because like yeah. you've got to be able to work the but then it's like your general knowledge is law and then yes you can then pick up the other things it's not like you're going and doing a phd it's just insanity yeah. the way the system works right now let me let me do a phd on the fact that um there's this island we're not sure who owns like what are you gonna go to the dissertation board with and be like 
So in summation, after 20,000 words of writing, we're still not sure who owns it. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself, dude. Well, we're pretty sure it's us. It, I want to say it's us because I've got the red and white flag and fuck Denmark. Um, I watched this thing on uh, San Juan Islands and the sovereignty dispute there. That would have been fire back in the day. Oh, the ones people down actually, in the Strait of Georgia? Yeah, people actually lived on them and like were moving over there in order to claim it for their country. See, yeah. Like, and that matters. That shit's cool. And even then, like, I bet you back then, what was that near the turn of the century? Uh, or like 18, late 1800s, early 1900s? Oh, that sounds right, but I uh, want to say right before the American Civil War. Uh, eighteen sixty-five. Okay, right. yeah, that's when the American Civil War. So was. I actually it missed both of your bef- early eighteen okay. hundreds and late eighteen hundreds. It was mid eighteen hundreds. No, I said early, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, but it's mid eighteen hundreds. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, uh, I bet you back in let's just say it was eighteen sixty-ish. I bet you no scholar in Oxford or in whatever fucking university district or university institution existed in North America at the time. I bet you none of them were like, yeah, I'm actually um, just like the preeminent scholar on the San Juan um, issue and nothing else. Like I've done nothing else. I'm just focused on the history of like the San Juan dispute. Like they probably tackled it for like however long the fucking crisis went on and then the San Juan Islands went to the States eventually. And then those guys probably like fucking moved on and like well, started something new. I don't think academics even tackled it. It was just the governors of uh, Victoria and the governor, not even the governor, but like the military governor, I guess, of the states, uh, whatever Washington they state, would it be? Yeah, I guess so. I don't, even I don't know, know if it was Washington, Washington state at the time, but basically the United States did not want to provoke a war with Britain over these islands yeah. because they were about to have a civil war. And Britain didn't want to provoke a war with the United States. So then they went to arbitration with the German Empire. And then the Germans are like, yeah, after listening to your arguments, we're giving it to the Americans. See, that's fucking one, cool. I love history. I want to learn about it. And two, that's like, if you're a historian, that's like one chapter of something you talk about. Man, like imagine imagine if Dan Carlin did King of Kings, right? Um, that great Dan Carlin's podcast, Hardcore History is is super good i mean it's a bit dry for me so i don't really listen to it that much but like i know a lot of people are obsessed with it and it's good solid research so you're like so far on the side of uh wanting it wet as opposed to dry in that case because like dan carlin includes all the juicy details like it's to the point where when i listen to it i'm like man this is a totally different way of taking it rather than like the dry history i'm used to interesting yeah i think i'm just honestly just sort of a fucking uh a little zoomer kid who just like needs explosions and michael bay effects every fucking 15 minutes otherwise i'm not really interested um but uh like it just like imagine if dan carlin was like yeah i'm actually just like just interested in king of kings and i'm gonna spend the next 40 years um teaching uh like an academic class about this one podcast i did like that's the same shit like i just cannot believe like i've had so many um professors who all they've managed to do is carve out a way of life that supports them financially and supports, you know, their family and stuff. And I can't blame people for just wanting to survive, especially surviving comfortably. But it's just like, you're not actually contributing. You're, you're, you're literally doing fuck all. And, um, 
I think it's like the where's the line between hard work and like real work and fluff and like we've done a really good job of fucking blurring that so much so that I spent like three years at university being like yeah I'm getting a political science degree like like what <laughs> like what is that what is a political science degree like it's not law like if you got a political science degree and then went to be a lawyer and then went on to like arbitrate or 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 um uh be a yeah like let's say you're a criminal defense lawyer and you're doing real work defending people and um the laws get changed based on the precedent you guys are setting and they reinterpret the law that's a real job that has implications for people later on in life there are no implications for the canadian arctic sovereignty specialist dr wilford greaves he could say whatever the fuck he wants forever he could just keep railing about man what if so it's just like, yeah, what if, buddy? Like, move on. Like, go fucking do something else. I don't know. I'm gonna I don't know why, but <laughs> that makes me think of there's the lady in China who rewrote Chinese Wikipedia history of Russia, like millions of words of uh, false alternate history. I'm like, you could do that with Canadian Arctic sovereignty. Like, you could go on you Wikipedia could... and just start whipping out new explorers who, like, planted flags and established our claims all over here. And, like, I bet you people don't care to the point it would probably fly for a decade. Like, Fuck, yeah, dude. And, like, literally, like, uh, I just can't imagine that any of my professors who, like, they're like, yeah, I just got to, like, mark all your papers. And it takes, like, six weeks to get my papers back. It's like, buddy, if I took six weeks to submit that paper, you would have fucking freaked out. Like, I just think that the academic system is, like, full of um, complacency and, like, yeah, like I said, speculation and just sort of it's i mean there's still stem like i bet you the end i bet any engineering students listening to this are like i fucking wish like i fucking wish it was fluffy like uh no i gotta learn linear algebra otherwise i'm gonna fail i've got to learn matrices otherwise i'm gonna fucking fail and i'm not gonna be able to do the math in order to design this building and if i don't design the building right i'm gonna lose my engineering fucking permit and someone's gonna die and like i'm like wow like at least you have some responsibility at the end of the day you know like at least there's a a point you know what i mean um i'm sure that there's a lot of stem fields that are sort of like getting like blurred or or whatever like um uh they're losing some meaning but i mean i i want my doctors to be autists and i'm glad they are and i want them to like do the hard work and like do the fundamental science behind it. Um, but even there, you've got a good spectrum because like your truly autistic doctors go into hyper specialization. Like surgery, surgeons would be like your first step, and then like heart surgeons and neurosurgeons, like the yeah. all more autistic. And then like your family doctor needs a bit of that schizo because he's got to build connections between True. the entire field of medical science. Yeah, GP's got to be like, oh, we've got this kid who came in, and ninety nine percent of the time, this kid's earache is just an earache. One percent of the time, it's like. I read this study that it's some sort of rare fucking ear bone super cancer. And like, we wouldn't discover that unless someone was making those connections. You're right. Uh, anecdotally, I know two doctors. I only know two people who have been to med school. One of them is becoming the GP. Uh, and the other one has spent, I think, 11 years now, 10 years now, becoming a uh, attempting to specialize in brain surgery and the system worked really hard against him to um, like he he 
didn't do well in a lot of uh, the interviews and stuff um, because he was such an autist. Like he just didn't have good like table side patient manner and stuff. But the system was like squeezing him to prove him that he had what it took. And I'm like, this is why those institutions exist. And I think like the medical field has more um, uh, integrity than like the, almost all of the quote unquote social sciences are just fucking bullshit. Like uh, my my my, uh, my dad retired, and the person who replaced him, my dad was an engineer, and the person who replaced him uh, has a degree in geography. And I'm like, I don't think that that is gonna work <laughs> you know what i mean like i think you actually need an oh engineer. it's gonna work it's just it's is it going to work well oh yeah i suppose something's gonna happen like they're it's uh, like because like it's it's government right so like technically if they didn't exist things would still happen <laughs> like true it's just are they going to hold people to account when they have no idea what they're talking about probably not no it's true i um i think uh i don't think my dad's the type of person to ever come on a podcast he's not interested in speaking for anyone like he doesn't want anyone else to hear him he's a pretty private person but uh the gripes he has had about government work for the last 40 years he's just like like the ineptitude has grown so much in his time like when he entered uh working for the government in the late 80s uh in his current role because he worked i think from 1986 or something as an engineer all the way he graduated in 86 and probably like 87 all the way until 2022 uh as a so that's 35 years as an engineer uh he said like the quality of work and the quality of like uh it's um the term is like uh you have to be culpable for your actions right and the culpability has just like died like, you, I could get a job with the government with my political science degree as some sort of, like, fucking clerk or whatever. Like, I go get it. I don't even have a fucking political science degree. Uh, but I could finish my political science degree. Uh, all you need is a, a bachelor's of something, bachelor's of X, and they'll hire you with the provincial government of British Columbia. And then I could go and just, like, professionally beat my dick for 30 years and get paid 80 grand a year to do it, do no real work. Like, just fluff it up um, and then uh, retire. And I carved out a really comfortable way of life. I'm sure I could raise children and, you know, have a wife who could um, uh, have her job that is also, you know, fluffy and raise these kids. And then they go get fluff jobs. And at the end of the day, it's like you've changed nothing. You've contributed nothing. And we're no closer to solving some of the very real issues we're facing as a human race or a society or at a more communal level like there are things that go wrong in your community and it's just like you wish the authority figures in place were dealing with them but there's just a lot of people who are just like fucking doing the bare minimum um and you know getting their paycheck going home and fucking sitting on their couch watching tv uh and it's like damn I wish, uh, I wish someone was like res like I would well we're not keeping them responsible I guess ultimately like it comes well, to like uh, one of the interesting things that I haven't fully explored yet, but basically the original ideas behind higher education had a lot to do with teaching uh, virtues, like how to think through things correctly and, you know, taking responsibilities. And you're supposed to come out as a more ideal citizen than you went in as. And I think that's completely lost these days. Like people aren't coming out of university with like some sort of 
fire in their belly to go change the world for the better uh, or like even a sense of like deep responsibility that they should make the world a better place they're just yeah. coming out of university like oh i just got that piece of paper and now i'm gonna go have a cushy life and i'm just gonna like avoid as much trouble as i can and call it good and meanwhile we're you know marching towards i i don't buy the whole marching towards dune thing like i think uh humanity often deals with these seemingly impossible like like if, if we were in 1939 and war broke out i'm sure that we would be feeling very very strongly about how the world might be ending because the nazis are taking over or whatever but uh and, and i'm speaking specifically on climate change like we're obviously dealing with some really significant climate changes like increased like we're going through the largest heat event in 1200 years i i saw that we would need to double check that uh, because the, i just saw that headline and i'm fucking doing the classic like parodying a headline thing but what i'm saying is that humans are naturally reactionary and that we've yet to have the huge amount of disruption that we need to sort of get our asses in line and moving on it uh and there are people doing good work out there i'm i'm not saying that there aren't but you're right like people with the fire in their belly and if they do have fire in their belly if they are an idealist like a someone who is is seeking to change the world like a and and then they get beat down by the system of being like well you have to wade through all of these uh, like inept fucking idiots you're gonna be first you must fight your peers before you can start fighting the issue the like oh and I guess the other thing to specify is like you need to teach both the like fire in the belly responsibility and virtue because like without virtue and fire in your belly you end up with like communists or fascists like yeah just, like, yeah they, true the way of putting it that i think resonated the most with me was it's like if people are just focused on the here and now and like they believe they can fix all the problems immediately without any sense of uh what's the term but like good judgment like the idea that things don't change rapidly and you need to have patience and all of that sort of uh virtue aspect Mm -hmm. then they'll just end up the ends justify the means and you get the gulags or the concentration camps because you're removing these undesirables from society yeah it's like, well that is not a, a virtuous act but if you only have fighting your belly and no virtue then you just go with it but you can it can you be can... actually it could be utilitarian even if you're oh this will maximize happiness if i throw all these people in a concentration camp yeah like if we get rid of uh 10 of the population that's causing quote unquote all of our problems and the 90 percent of us who are left are super happy then you know uh i'm sure john stewart mill would have some defense of this if uh he was here with us today on the podcast but uh if you well, as i understood it john stewart mill tried to integrate some of like the common sense virtue ethics with the consequentialist utilitarianism uh yeah he well and also john stewart mill had the the harm principle which was like explicitly that all actions are permissible until they harm others and so that like there are only which he doesn't do a great job of defending in his work about like well to make an omelet you got to crack a couple eggs sometimes like there are going to be times where in like without unavoidably you're going to make some people's lives harder uh in in the in the pursuit of a greater good or whatever but but what your point is is you're saying like if we were to educate people on um there are uh, effective strategies in order to achieve goals and there are things that we must keep in mind um in in the meantime while achieving those goals such that you can't just yeah like you know vilify the jews during you know um the during 
the 30s and 40s in, in Germany, you can't just vilify one group and be like, well, things are going to get a lot better economically here if we just like, you know, kill all those Jews and like take over the world. And it's like, well, sure, you're you're changing the world, but you're not actually improving it. You're you're right. I think most people would agree making a whole lot worse. Um, well, and if you look at like the economics behind it all, because a large part of the persecution of the Jews, not to get too into that, but a large part of it was to seize their wealth and then to put that wealth into building the military. Mm -hmm. And the way I describe it is basically Nazi Germany was an engine that was redlined from like 1933 to 1939. And mm -hmm. it was about to blow if they didn't go to war. And yeah, setting up a society that has to go to war it is just a horrible idea unless you're a nazi or a fascist or a communist that believes in eternal war not all communists do but like you know they have the eternal revolutionaries that want to spread the revolution by arms to the rest of the world mm -hmm. yeah i feel like i don't know that this is like we're at an hour and eight minutes like we could get into a whole other episode about like um like the political to start putting chapter breaks in here yeah no i don't know i, I feel like uh no we don't want to go deep into that stuff no and honestly i'm just straight up not well educated enough to like whip out the correct references and stuff and that's literally not the point of this podcast like it's ag yeah. exactly the exact opposite i'm trying <laughs> like we're we're just trying to be accessible you know and and you should be able to throw this podcast on and just be like yeah you know what like you actually don't have to go to school for fucking 10 years just to have an opinion on something. And don't let them convince you that you have to go be an expert in fucking Arctic sovereignty just to have an opinion about Arctic sovereignty. In fact, I would argue that the people who have specialized in Arctic sovereignty are only seeing the trees and can no longer see the fucking forest. It's just like, buddy, uh, there's still a whole world out there and your fucking focus on this narrow, icy scape has uh, limited your ability to draw meaningful connections elsewhere and that that's where those schizos come in that they need to um, they need to connect these things and that um, if you do find your passion you know your artist your autistic passion and you want to build that tower for the rest of your life uh, I want to encourage you and I'm happy you exist because that's how we get things like penicillin and like fucking I don't know Einstein's theory of relativity like certainly Einstein was I mean he's a very special case and I, I don't really know all the details about his life but he certainly worked towards understanding relativity for his entire life and we are much better for it but uh, those people who tend to be on the schizo side of things or or on the autism side of things but closer to the center not only are you valid and that you're fucking not wanting to just do the same thing for the rest of your life is is good but uh, you're necessary and that fucking the academic system has pushed us into being pigeonholed and it's just like I just don't buy it I just I'm I'm a generalist and such a it's just so strong to me that I want to understand everything a little bit and build my worldview that way um, there's that quote that's like you can understand the universe through studying a single grain of sand and it's just like that's valid you know if that's what you want to do but I'd like to understand the universe through studying as many things that jump out to me whenever I feel like whenever, you know? I like describing it almost as uh, the goal of anything I'm interested in. It's, if you've heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect, it's the idea that when you know a little bit about something, you think you know a lot. And then when you know a lot about something, you realize how little you know. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I like to hit that point of like thinking you know a lot and then you look out over the vastness of what you don't know. Like you just realize how little you know and then you move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that. Yeah, it's just like you've climbed the uh, short, steep hill to this um, top and then many people want to slide down into the valley of unknown um i think i i watched this... or or pretend it doesn't exist that's the worst outcome is like at genuinely believing you know everything about this because you've reached the top of that dunning kruger curve yeah well right there if anyone says they know everything about or everything about anything specifically one they're a liar and two you can just write them off because they're obviously fucking stupid um like uh i mean i've been guilty of that in my past too um actually i think just in general if you had asked 18 year old shay like Oh, like, how's your life going? I'd be like, man, this fucking life thing is easy. Y'all are pussies. Like, fucking get a job, have a car, get a hot babe, fucking pump out some kids when you're 30. It's easy. And then I was just like, I quickly slid into the fact that I don't really know anything about anything. Uh, but um, there is, I, I can't even remember. I think it's Joe Rogan, which I've never really watched Joe Rogan, but I was with a, uh, or listened to Joe Rogan, but I was with a friend and he had put on this Joe Rogan podcast uh, and the guest who I forget, but he's a physicist, he said, scientists have to be comfortable with being on the edge of the unknown because that is what science is, is, is driving into, you know, uncharted territory and beginning to chart it. And like previous when we were explorers and, and, you know, you know, uh, like John Cabot and fucking, I don't even know if that's how you say it. And, uh, uh, all those other fucking explorers they were doing it in a very like concrete sense like um they had europeans had yet to discover much of the world and they were going out into the unknown and they were doing the pursuit of science like they were they were charting the world but now we are more um, like darwin's probably the pinnacle of that example like going around on the beagle looking at wildlife and like eventually synthesizing the theory of evolution exactly and, and being comfortable with the unknown and you should in your personal life be comfortable with not knowing what others know um if you're entering a field you know of uh what, whatever like whatever for me it was skateboarding there's people who know how to fucking kickflip and i don't and i'm comfortable with the fact that i don't know how to kickflip this i think you could probably bring this into the whole gatekeeping argument and stuff but i'm not going to bring it to that sort of style of connotation what i what i'm trying to say is like just fucking do what you want to do and maybe something will stick and maybe it will never stick but there was there was a purpose in you pursuing it at that time and uh it, this is all my personal like i'm not some sort of fucking uh absolute uh this is not the authority on it all but this is how i understand things um and it's 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 absolutely okay to like go to university or go enter a trade or whatever and then like feel like you've specialized to some degree but realize that you're never going to want to do it and i actually think precisely what the the argument of this is that that's necessary because someone's got to be novel someone's got to draw the connections between you go to university for a couple years and maybe be in a uh, nursing student or something and then you're like fuck it I want to be an electrician and then you can connect nursing and electric electrical how often does that happen you know and there might not be nothing anything there but there might be something very important and um, yeah I just I fucking I'm so upset with the social social sciences bullshit
social sciences. Yeah, the whole idea of changing the name from the humanities, uh, the humanities to social sciences, it still bothers me. I believe it happened in the late 1800s. And it's like, no, humanities was what they were. And then calling it a science just because you can now crunch numbers big with statistics does not make it a science. Like, yeah. Uh, it, it could be called the social statistics, I guess, if you wanted to be pedantic. But humanities just is I so do. much better. I do want to be pedantic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, being pedantic is, uh, like, people need to bring it back in a sense. You don't see it very often anymore. Also, I think it's okay to just tell people that what they're doing isn't valid. <laughs> like, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Like, you're, you're not everyone, not all, um, I, I mean, I just railed about how everything you want to pursue and stuff is valid. Okay. That's fine. I, I'm, what I'm saying is that, like, w like, uh, how do I fucking juxtapose this about my previous statement? You should be able to self-actualize and pursue whatever you want in society. A good society is uh, one that has set itself up that barriers for certain things are um, are eliminated or lessened. Um, but there are. Uh, ways of talking about things that make them exclusive or make them um, difficult for others simply because someone else got there first. Like uh, like my professor of Arctic sovereignty saying that, well, you can't have an opinion about Arctic sovereignty because I've studied it longer. And it's just like, well, maybe you actually need someone outside of the field to enter who hasn't been studying it for fucking 20 years and make an observation that none of you in that field uh, uh, could make. And so I guess what I'm saying is that just because someone's quote-unquote an expert about something doesn't mean they know fuck all about it. So, yeah. Not entirely sure that uh, tied back into your point about things not being valid. Maybe what experts say is not always valid. Yeah, I guess, okay, so it's just the appeal to authority fucking fallacy. Like, just because someone's a quote-unquote authority based on their degree or title or whatever, uh, yeah, maybe it didn't tie in. I don't really give but a you fuck. You have a, a good example of that that I only recently learned the history of was the Cuban Missile Crisis. And it was basically JFK being there and being like, I don't want to start World War Three. And every advisor and expert he had, civilian and military, was like, no, you need to start World War Three. And he's like, I don't think that's the right call here, guys. And they're like, no, you have to. And then he, when he didn't do it, his civilian advisor were like, oh, that's fair, you're called to make. And the military advisor were like, you're a pussy, and you've just basically lost the world for America whenever World War III does start. Interesting, yeah. Um, Robert... I was like, man, we, we literally would have been nuked, except one guy was like, man, the last time my experts told me to do something, we got the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the... There's this great, not great, but like there's definitely something that, something that if people are interested in the Cuban Missile Crisis and just in general like uh, uh, American history of war, I watched Robert McNamara's Fog of War, which is a professional piece of propaganda put out by the uh, American government. Uh, but it is something that um, I found stuck in my brain to some degree, and they talk specifically about Robert McNamara was one of JFK's advisors, and he was a... Uh, instrumental in a lot of the decisions made in in I think he was a general in World War no he wasn't a general he was some like maybe just a unit commander of some sort like had 
uh, several people underneath him. But by the time they reached the 60s, he had went from being, you know, military man to like fucking White House advisor on military politics and stuff. And it was really fascinating. Um, we've reached the hour and 20 minute mark and I feel like we've been railing for a while and my brain is sort of um, getting all uh, squeezed out. But uh, I wanted to say thank you for coming on, Ryan. Uh, you're my first guest on Dairy uh, Section. And uh, I think that there was some pretty good discourse here. And um, yeah, uh, so I feel like... Uh, uh, oh, I wanted to say a couple just hosting points here. Um, if there is anything that uh, anyone wants to send me, uh, I have an email address for associated with the podcast. Uh, it's my first and last name, Shay McKenzie TV at gmail.com. So you can send any email inquiries there or just want to say thank you or uh, because I'm doing such a good job that you want to thank me. Um, if you want to send any hate mail, I'm sure that'll be uh, accepted as well. Absolutely. And uh, but uh, mostly suggestions as well. Um, I always forget all of the great conversations I've had with my friends and stuff. And we'd like I'm sure all of us have had the we're like, oh, we should fucking have a podcast about that. And it's just like. Yeah, well, that was great when we were talking about it, but my, I don't remember shit. So send me the stuff that you remember because um, I would love to have some suggestions. And I also wanted to say genuinely thank you. Um, there were people in Germany, people in South Africa, people in uh, Ashburn, uh, specifically in the States. I don't know, two people in Ashburn listened to my last podcast and my first one. Uh, and then people in, in obviously, uh, uh, my friends and family who listened. I uh, just wanted to say thank you. Uh, it's super easy to start a podcast. If anyone wants to, uh, send me an email and uh, I'll just explain how I did it. It was really easy. Um, I don't know shit about this and I did it in like like literally 30 minutes I set it all up. So um, yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast there. So this has been Dairy Section episode two. Uh, I'll title it after and it'll be real fun. So um, thanks very much for tuning in everyone and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back with some zany content the next time.